Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. Sister, wife, niece, great-granddaughter, and now mother of various emperors, Julia Agrippina Augusta herself draws a shabby cloak around her head. An assistant furtively shows her in to the quote-unquote kitchen. A woman looks up from an array of herbs, mushrooms, and ominous-looking bottles, and also a dead rat. Mistress Julia, Locusta, I need to discreetly get rid of certain persons who might be trying to get rid of me in turn. Locusta smiles. Oh, let me check in the back. Hello, and welcome back to Badass of the Week. My name is Ben Thompson, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Dr. Pat Larish. Pat, how are you doing? The school year has started, and we are kind of, like, you're a couple weeks into the the quarter, the semester now. How's how's things going with, the, with school? Yeah, yeah, things are going along. Um, students are great. Hi, students. Yeah, uh, so we're about, a, as of this recording, about a month in, and I'm excited about some of the readings we're going to be doing in my Latin II class. Our textbook, we use the textbook Subarani, which is a fairly recently published one. Um, our textbook, Volume 1, takes place in the year 64, which fans of Roman history might know as the year of the Great Fire of Rome. So that's what my Latin one students will be reading. And the volume two, which my Latin two students are going to be reading, takes place in the year 68, which is in the reign of Nero. And there's a lot that could happen in the reign of Nero, right? <laughs> there's a lot that does happen, I think. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there is. And the year 68 leads into a very specific year, which is the year of four emperors. Which we've talked about when we talked about Vespasian earlier. Yeah, yeah. But before we get to the year of four emperors, there's a lot of, you know, intrigue and politicking that happens in Rome. And uh, yeah, this is kind of like the golden age for like, you know, when you think about Roman Empire, especially early empire, you know, you were getting into all of this, you know, Caligula and Nero and all of those very fascinating, very <laughs> exciting <laughs> characters from history. <laughs> I always kind of think of Game of Thrones when I think about early uh -huh. Rome. Everybody's kind of yeah, outmaneuvering yeah. each other and backstabbing each other. And it probably wasn't that fun to live there, but it was pretty fun to read about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certainly it was probably high stress if you were in the center circles of power. If you were not that important, maybe you could just live your life. Who knew? Yeah. You know? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible that it was pretty hard to live your life in 1690. Also AD, possible, yes. Yeah, yeah. So who, yeah. Um, so you're going to be talking about Nero this year? So that's kind of the... Yeah, yeah. I guess this week we're going to talk about... Nero's mom. Nero's mom, Julia Agrippina. <laughs> and not just her, but also Locusta. Yeah, Locusta the Poisoner. And, and uh, yeah. she's in your textbook, right? She is a weird character that shows up in our textbook. And actually, um, the way she's presented, the first time we meet her, there's a the story is illustrated. And there's a picture of a woman sitting at a table. And she's got like a little recipe book open. And she's got some little like bowls and bottles and stuff. And she's looking very intently. And it looks like she's doing science. You know, it looks like she's doing a lab experiment. Women in STEM. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. That's that's I love the way I love the way they present her because she's interesting and cool and also deadly. So yeah. diabolical. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, this woman, Locusta, is presented as someone who's very dedicated to her craft, which happens to be poison. <laughs> it's it's very lucrative for her, as we're going to get into. Um, yeah. And so she's yeah. interesting. We're going to talk about really two 
diabolical and infamous women from Rome in 68 AD. So yeah, mm -hmm. this week we are going to talk Locusta the Poisoner. We're also going to talk about the woman who elevated her to the position of prominence. She gave her tenure, I guess, as a poison instructor, made sure she never ran out of materials, poultices, or targets. Um, <laughs> yeah, Nero's mom, Julia Agrippina, Agrippina the Younger, she's sometimes referred to. Um, she was uh, extremely ruthless and power hungry as well. Um, and I've written about her in the first badass book mm -hmm. and, and she's one of my favorite characters of of roman history and possibly ever i think she's amazing and i, I love reading her stories and and kind of mm -hmm. through her you can track the first the beginnings of the roman empire she's kind of juiced in with everybody who's anybody up until you get to the year yeah, before emperors yeah. um and one of my favorite things with uh, with Agrippina was, you know, at least according to Tacitus, when she was young, an astrologer predicted that her son would kill her. And she said, that's fine, as long as he becomes emperor. We're going to talk about her right after this break. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're here talking about Julia Agrippina, known as Nero's mom. And I mentioned that because, well, that may very well be her ambition in life, to be Nero's mom, because... Well, she was a woman from an elite family in the Roman Empire. And what does it mean to be a woman from one of the elite families of Rome? How do you gain power? How do you wield it? What are your ambitions in life? I'm assuming that one wants to wield power. Um, you know, 
some women from elite families might have just wanted to kind of stay behind the scenes and eh, do a little bit of matchmaking and also weave or maybe eat olives or whatever, you know. Just be rich. Just be rich and <laughs> yeah, chill. Yeah, just be, yeah, just, yeah <laughs> be rich, hang out with, you know, eventually your grandchildren or whatever. Just kind of, I don't know, live a good life, you know. Um, but, but that's uh, not Julia Agrippina. <laughs> no, her definition of a good life is having as much power as possible. And this is the Roman Empire, um, which I'll sometimes refer to as the Principate, because there's a guy in charge who's the emperor. The Roman word is princeps, which is a little bit of a euphemism because it means like first in the sense of, oh, yes, first among the citizens. And so it sounds a little more egalitarian than it actually was, um, because Rome was still kind of pretending to be a republic, kind of, you know, anyway. So how do you gain how do you gain power if you're Julia yeah. Agrippina? Because this is a very exactly, male dominated yeah. line here. You're the first guy in Rome, uh -huh. right? And Yes, yeah. Options yeah. are limited for, for women to be the emperor. Yes. So a woman is not going to become the emperor or the princeps. Um, but there are lots of ways for women to wield influence and power behind the scenes. Even this power behind the scenes isn't 100% behind the scenes because we know that, say, Augustus's wife, Livia, was pretty influential. You know, she got her image on coins. The Senate granted her the title of Augusta, which was a pretty big deal. And Livia was uh, was awesome from what I understand. Like she she yeah, kind of yeah. was able to pull a lot of strings and make a lot of things happen for oh, the yeah. empire. Yeah. And Julia Agrippina is, you know, growing up like a generation later, knowing the stories of maybe she was even alive for part of Livia's life. You know, she overlapped with Livia a bit. That's one of her role models. She's like, oh, huh, okay, if, you know, Livia could do this, maybe that's a possibility for me too. I might not be able to become actual emperor, actual princeps, but maybe I could get my son on the throne. I mean, that's a classic motive, right, throughout history. Yes. You know, um, women can... We hold a lot of power. I'm coming back sons. to Cersei Lannister again. I keep making the Game of Thrones references here, but that's how I feel. Even I think even in Game of Thrones, Cersei had some kind of prophecy about like her kid being emperor or mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Livia was actually deified after her death. Not immediately after her death, but her grandson Claudius, whom we'll hear about later for other reasons, did get the Senate to declare her a goddess. Wow. The deified Livia. Which is cool right totally cool that's pretty awesome yeah. actually <laughs> yeah. doesn't happen to many people in some ways maybe agrippina may have even outdone livia when we consider her whole career julia agrippina is really tied in with the elite and the prominent families of rome uh her father was germanicus who was a great war hero of imperial rome germanicus was descended from augustus and mark antony which means Agrippina's bloodline was already pretty royal. As for Germanicus, he was a famous Roman hero. He destroyed a bunch of rebelling Germanic tribes and kicked their ass so hard that that's why they call him Germanicus. Well, Tiberius, the current emperor, was growing a little jealous, worried about Germanicus and his rising popularity. So he had him poisoned. Which will be a theme in this episode, poisoning. So Tiberius soon retires from being emperor, gets poisoned himself, and everyone's like, well, crap, who should be emperor then? We all liked Germanicus, but he's gone. So what about his son? Yeah, yeah, that should be fine. He's, he'll be a good emperor, no doubt. So they grabbed Germanicus' son and put him on the throne. And Germanicus' son was Gaius, also known as Caligula. What could go wrong? <laughs> yes, yes. So Caligula gets to the throne, which means that our friend Julia Agrippina is now, if you do the math... The sister. Sister Go ahead. Sister yeah. of the Emperor. Yeah, which sounds pretty cool. Pretty great. Caligula was very close to his sisters. It's pretty, I mean, that's maybe a little too uh, close, depending on which anti-Caligula source fake news you want to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the details, Agrippina apparently was very influential over Caligula and, or Gaius, if you prefer his more official name. And with Caligula as emperor, 
well, if Agrippina is influential, he's going to manage to get her image placed on the coins. Uh, she lives in the imperial palace. She's awarded the rights and privileges that are also awarded to the Vestal Virgins. Which, knowing what we're going to know about Julia Agrippina seems ironic, right? <laughs> yes. In a certain sense, yes. So yeah. what are the privileges of the Vestal Virgins? Yeah, so if you're a Vestal Virgin, okay, it is true that there are a lot of constraints on your life. You have to be from a patrician family, and yes, you have to devote three decades of your life to this particular religious practice. You're the guardians of the sacred flame in this temple, and if the flame goes out, Rome's going to collapse, so uh, no pressure. You start becoming a Vestal Virgin, or I should say, if you are chosen by the Pontifex Maximus, the chief priest mm. of the Roman state religion, to become a Vestal Virgin, this happens under the age of 10. So you're maybe not old enough to really understand what you're getting yourself into, yeah. you know? <laughs> you know? So for three decades of your life, uh, you have to live this particular life, not supposed to have sex. And this is on pain of death. Okay. And on top of that, you also had to do your hair in this really elaborate hairstyle with like twists and braids and pins and da 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 da. Um, I mean, what else are you going to do with all your pent up energy except braid yeah, your hair yeah. all day? Yeah, you know, I, yeah, you know. Although and, I, I, I have a feeling that Julia Agrippina was probably like spared some of the negative sides of this. Was so yeah, so Julia Agrippina was not herself a Vestal Virgin, but what are the privileges? Oh, she was treated as a Vestal Virgin, but she didn't yes. have to do any of the actual work. Oh my mm -hmm. God. Yeah, you know, um, you could own property, oh. which was not a thing that women were legally allowed to do. You could sign contracts. Most women in Rome had to have a male relative sign contracts for them. Um, and if you were a Vestal Virgin, you could bequeath property to women. Uh, you could also grant pardons to condemned criminals. Oh, that's going to come up later, I think. <laughs> also had the best seats at events, including events that most, most of the time, upper class women weren't usually allowed at. So you could get ringside seats to gladiator fights, basically. Oh, man. So she got all the good stuff. So this is uh -huh. a great deal for her. And she doesn't have to do her hair like that. <laughs> yeah, so she gets all these great perks and and her brother's the emperor Caligula but that probably is going well for a while but you know mm -hmm. Caligula is also declaring war on the ocean and you know I don't mm -hmm. know there's movies about how freaky he got or allegedly freaky and and anyway this yeah. is the freaky era and whatever's going on with Caligula okay things are getting a little unexpected with Caligula a little bit of a loose cannon yeah yeah I mean, on the other hand, I'm sure many people over the centuries have wanted to declare war on the ocean. I mean, I'm sure there are sailors and ship captains and <laughs> fishermen and, you know, who just were saying, Arr. Yeah, he had um, he had his trebuchets and archers shoot into the water. And then he had his soldiers okay. go pick up seashells as tribute. I don't know, man. Okay. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a great story. It's a great story, yeah. Where's Agrippina at during all of this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Julia Agrippina. So Agrippina is scoping out the situation, and she's thinking, hmm. So she's got a lover, this guy named Lepidus. How not Vestal Virgin of her. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> Agrippina and Lepidus plot to kill Caligula and put Lepidus on the throne. But, wrinkle, Caligula finds out what's going on and has Agrippina exiled. And he also confiscates all of her possessions, sells them on eBay or, yeah, you know, whatever the Roman equivalent was, and ships Agrippina herself off to an island in the middle of nowhere. And that's how her life was at that moment, who knows? Maybe she was practicing her skills at swimming. Which is going to come up later. Which, which is going to come up later. Do you think 
trifling things like exile and maybe not-so-subtle death threats are going to take her out. That's all the time we have for today, guys. That's the story of Julia Agrippina. Thanks so much for listening to the yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was a Vestal Virgin and then Caligula exiled her, and that's the end of the story, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Agrippina wasn't the only one who wanted Caligula out of the way. Lots of people in Rome got sick of him. Yes, and uh, he is eventually taken out by the Praetorian Guard. And this is going to be a theme throughout the course of, of Imperial Rome. <laughs> but he's the mm-hmm. he's the first one that's taken out by the Praetorian Guard. The Praetorian Guard mm-hmm. are the bodyguards of the emperor. They're hand-chosen from the greatest soldiers of the legion. They get to wear gold armor. They follow the emperor around everywhere he goes. And um, they're responsible, I think, for killing like 12 to 14 emperors over the course of their... Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. I thought they were supposed to be the bodyguards. No, What's yeah, but they're really bad. Yeah. They're the worst bodyguards ever, right? Anyway, they kill Caligula, and they were probably yeah. paid to do it by somebody, or maybe they just really hated him, but the Praetorian uh. Guard whacks Caligula. And then this is when they find Claudius, like, hiding behind a curtain or something. Uh-huh. And they're like, cool, you're emperor now. And he's like, okay, great. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. That's the story, at least. <laughs> That's the story. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it was Caligula's uncle, right? Yes. Yeah. So Claudius is emperor. And, okay, one of the things he does is he recalls Agrippina back to Rome. Because remember, she's been in exile, mm-hmm. doing whatever it is you do in exile. And Agrippina knows how to make the most of the situation. She plays the, oh... Poor me. (laughs) Just poor Vestal Virgin, my crazy brother. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and she garners some sympathy with that among the Roman people. She marries a wealthy senator. That doesn't work out well for him. It does work out well for her because she poisons him to death and inherits his estate. Because she can inherit property, because she's got all the rights and privileges of a vestal virgin, which is great for her. And hey, speaking of poison, here's where we meet- Funny, we should mention that, yeah. (laughs) Here's where we meet the second character of our our, uh, our little story today. Yeah. So, yes, we are talking about the Roman Empire. We're talking about the the early empire, kind of the glory days that everybody thinks about when they're thinking of the Roman Empire. Um, you know, gold and emperors and, you know, all of these, you know, Caligula drunkenly ordering political assassinations while laying on top of piles of naked women. It's all very, you know, Scorsese, I guess. <laughs> but... If you were a a powerful Roman, like a Julia Agrippina, perhaps, um, and you did need somebody, maybe a husband, maybe a hated arch nemesis, you needed somebody taken Mm -hmm. out of the picture, you needed somebody in your sphere of influence to have a heart attack and maybe Mm -hmm. fall off a building in the process and land on a sword. Um, Yeah, you needed someone to not be where they currently were, which is in your way. Right, exactly. So one of your options was to call Locusta of Gaul. So she was a all-natural, free-range, organic chemist assassin, and she was (laughs) very good at her job. She's um, kind of this this black widow of Imperial Rome. She is going to take people out if you need them taken out. She's an expert. We don't know much about her before she shows up in Rome. uh, And that's kind of when she starts um, rising to prominence. So she was inventive. She was intelligent. We know this. We know she knew a lot about herbal lore. We know she was Mm -hmm. making extracts from various plants and fungi and kind of finding new and interesting ways to take people out in ways that (laughs) might not come back to harm her employer. Mm -hmm. So she would test her concoctions on animals to try to test their potency and try to find these perfect toxins, perfect cocktails of drugs that she could, um, you could, whatever, pour into somebody's drink and pour it into their wine and and give them a heart attack. Yeah. Um, You know, and do you want something fast acting? Do you want something slow acting? Yeah. Do you want to see them die or do you want to be really far away when they die? Let's find out. (laughs) It's going to cost you a different, it's a different different menu. Um, Either way, she is a good friend to have when you are a Julia Agrippina. Yes, Definitely. So Agrippina's goal 
wasn't wealth or it wasn't wealth per se, it was power, which wealth facilitates. She's gotten a sense of what it's like to be close to the emperor. These senators aren't going to cut it after having been yeah. the sister of the emperor. Mm -hmm. Yep. Now, her primary obstacle is Claudius's wife, Messalina. This is Messalina, who, at least according to our sources, was famous because she was a woman of loose morals. Pretty, pretty famously, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And some of that may be exaggeration by our sources, which, as we've said, are biased. Whatever. It doesn't take much for Agrippina to... But some of them might be propagandists from Agrippina. It might have just been a might smear be, campaign yeah. against yeah. her by Agrippina. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So Agrippina manages to smear her reputation in the public eye, undermine her just in general, to the point where actually the Praetorian Guard forces her to kill herself, which is a Roman way of getting yourself out of a really awful situation with some measure of dignity left. The emperor Claudius is now hmm, single. And if you're Julia Agrippina, what do you do now? I don't know. Isn't she related to Claudius, presumably? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. So, okay. But that's not going to stop her. So step one, you have already been getting romantically involved on the DL with this guy named Pallas. Now, who's Pallas? Oh, he happens to be a confidant of the Emperor Claudius. He's a friend of Claudius. Step two, you get Pallas to chime in when Claudius is wondering what to do with his personal life. Like, oh my goodness, my wife died. Oh no. Like, should I just go into goblin mode and kind of... I don't know, watch Netflix and eat Doritos all day. And <laughs> they hadn't invented Netflix or Doritos, so it was even worse. <laughs> Neither of those true. things were yeah, options for him. Oh no. <laughs> He's just oh, no. stuck okay. in his palace of gold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Palace, the guy, Agrippina's boyfriend, not Palace the architectural structure. Palace says, Hey, Claudius, bruh, dude, man. Time to move on. Why don't you, you know, put yourself out there and, hey, Claudius, Claw Claw, I just happen to know someone. And who is that someone? And it's Agrippina. He set up, he set up his girlfriend with the emperor. Or I guess she set him up. She made him set her up with the emperor. That's what it looks like. <laughs> That's what it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, this is where things get awkward. Um, Agrippina and Claudius are actually niece and uncle. Mm, fantastic. And, um, so, yeah, okay. And is Agrippina herself squeaked out by this? Well, I don't know. Um, she goes through with this plan. Agrippina is now married to the emperor. Bingo. She's the sister and now she's the wife. That's yeah. better, right? Yeah. Now... If you're a woman, can you become emperor? No. No. But your son can become emperor mm -hmm. if you play your cards right. So let's assume that that's her plan. Agrippina is so committed. Okay. I guess if you, if you want to decide that her plan, her ambition all along is to get her son on the throne because that's the closest she can get to becoming emperor, then you can look at everything she does in that light. You know, she had taken out Messalina. She also takes out another woman called Lolia Paulina, who is a woman who might have married Claudius had Hurricane Agrippina not swept in and gotten her accused of sorcery. Right, as you do, yeah. <laughs> She gets exiled mm -hmm. and then um, she doesn't get poisoned, but she does do the Messalina thing and is uh, convinced by the Praetorian Guard to kill herself. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can be pretty convincing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And this is Agrippina. She wore a gold cloak. She traveled in these special carriages, Carpenta, usually reserved for Vestal Virgins and Holy Artifacts. Which she was. Probably both, actually, at this point. In a, in a certain sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And we've met six of her boyfriends by now, but and she's sleeping uh, with her uncle, but she's still a vegetable virgin. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, she worked the system for her own purposes, which you might consider nefarious or you might consider rational given the horizon of expectations available to a woman of her status at the time. She took out people who got in her way without being too obvious about it. And, you know, it's like, why use a chainsaw when you could just get other people to use a scalpel or poison behind the scenes for <laughs> or poison. Yes, <laughs> yes. A chemical scalpel. She allegedly took out her enemies in the government, in the imperial family, in the palace, you know, the Praetorian Guard. Yeah, da, da, da. She took out everybody from powerful senators to her own sister-in-law. And she established her place as alpha gal, mm -hmm. you know? She's at the top of the food chain, the political food chain or whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use here, you know? Yeah. yeah. Boss lady. <laughs> boss lady. Yes. Totally boss lady. Total girl boss. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In a system that did not have official recognition of a girl boss. Yeah. Only boy boss. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes she managed to get people killed outright. Sometimes just removed in other ways, you know, exiled, sent there, discredited, just, you know, arrested, demoted, da 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 you know, maybe forced to commit suicide, maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe committed suicide, but we don't know if they were forced to or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So she is, so we prefaced her as being Nero's mom. And so yeah. that has to happen uh, soon, right? Yes. <laughs> now that oh, she's on does. top of the game, she's on top of the world, she's running running Rome. She wants to keep that rolling. But she's got a little problem hmm. because Claudius and Messalina had a kid. Uh-oh. <laughs> and in theory, he's going to be the dude that inherits the mm -hmm. throne, right? Yeah. The son named Britannicus. Yeah. And Britannicus, he was pretty popular. Yeah, people liked him. And and, and Agrippina does have a kid with Claudius, and that is Nero. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. make whatever inbreeding jokes you want to make here. But yeah. uh, And Nero is the second son of the emperor, and Britannicus is the first. So she's got a hmm. problem. Yes. But luckily, she knows a guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or maybe she knows a gal. She knows a gal. Yeah. So in the year 54, 54 CE, Locusta is, she, well, she's in jail. She's on her third prison mm -hmm. stint for presumably killing people. Um, and mm -hmm. you remember that thing about the Vestal Virgins where they could exonerate a condemned criminal? Well, Julia Agrippina makes a little visit to Rome County Penitentiary and mm -hmm. uh, says, all right, Locusta, you're with me. We're getting out of here and pulls her out of jail and tasks her with a very high profile um, hit. Ooh. She wants, allegedly, uh, we don't have proof of this, but... But we're going to tell the story. We're going to tell the story the way that it has been told for generations. And um, yes. the story goes that uh, Locusta was pulled out to kill the emperor Claudius, which is just awesome. <laughs> Lacusa doesn't bat an eye. And um, she set something up, presumably, allegedly. Uh, and on October 13th, 54 AD, so uh, as of the time of this recording, it's almost exactly 1,969 years ago, um, mm -hmm. Locusta puts her plan into motion. So Claudius's bodyguard, so the night before the the hit, Claudius's like most loyal bodyguard uh, was poisoned just enough that he wasn't feeling good. He was thrown up. He had to call out sick from work that day. Uh. Then Lacusta bribes Claudius's food taster to take the night off. Here's some money. Go 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 uh, buy yourself something nice. Get a drink. Watch a movie. So that guy goes away. And now there's not much in the way of her and Claudius. So she makes this. Um, Amazing, or somebody she know makes this amazing stew that has uh, actually mm. happened to be spiced up with some super poisonous death cap mushrooms that might have fallen in there off of one of the other shelves in the kitchen. Oh, mm, whoops. Yeah, Claudius eats it. 
He falls off of his throne. He starts clutching his neck. A doctor comes running up to uh, to try to see what he can do to save the emperor, which medicine in 54 AD is that the doctor literally sticks a feather down your throat to make you barf and throw up whatever mm. it is that's making you sick. And um, There's a certain logic behind that? Sure, but the problem here and is... And it was that, standard practice. Yes, uh, it, maybe it would work, but it's not going to work today because Locusta has already soaked that feather in strychnine. <laughs> and, um, Oof. And he dies. <laughs> and that's that's the end of the Emperor Claudius. He, die, he falls off his throne and dies of death cap mushrooms. Possibly, yeah. allegedly, because of yeah. Locusta the Poisoner and Julia Agrippina. Yeah. Yeah. And if it wasn't exactly the mushrooms, maybe it was whatever was on that feather. Yeah. Yeah. And when Nero took the throne, Nero has some good one-liners. Supposedly, he said that, or he makes the quip that mushrooms must be the food of the gods, since Claudius became a god by eating them. Oh. <laughs> and so now we are into the reign of Nero. And if you remember earlier, Nero is not the firstborn son of the emperor Claudius. He's second. Mm -hmm. When Claudius was married to Messalina, they had a son named Britannicus, who was very popular in Rome in 55 AD. Mm -hmm. Britannicus yeah. is 14. Nero's, I think, like 12 or 11. And mm -hmm. um, But Agrippina had kind of... We had talked a little bit about Claudius. There's... They're trying to kind of rehab his. Um, they're trying to kind of rehab his image in the last few decades of like maybe he was actually just a mild-mannered guy, a level-headed emperor, mm -hmm. the kind of guy the empire needed at the time. But the yeah, reputation yeah. for him has generally been that he's this kind of like confused old guy who just kind of gets dragged through life by all of the people that surround him, and. Mm -hmm. um, through whatever ways. We know Agrippina is extremely convincing, um, and she was able to convince Claudius to name her son Nero Emperor uh, over Britannicus as his successor, which mm -hmm. the people didn't love mm -hmm. that, but um, he did it, and then, oh, go figure, he died like a couple months later before he could change his mind. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Golly. So now Nero's in charge, but people are still kind of like, well, we like Britannicus, so... All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That guy. He's still around. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. know, you can't leave loose ends hanging. So we gotta, no. we gotta, we gotta call Locusta again. <laughs> uh oh. What happens this time? Well, um, Locusta's real only question is like, do you want it to be extended pain or just sudden death? And so it's kind of <laughs> that's where we're yeah. that's where we're at with this. Yeah. She's a professional. She's that's her little menu. You know, like you go to the deli, you mm -hmm. you order a sandwich. Like you take off provolone. You take off. Yes, you take off that. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a high-end service we're offering here, and you've got a lot of yeah. options. Yeah. So anyway, Nero and Britannicus, they're having this big party at the at the Imperial Palace, um, kind of celebrate Nero in his first year of his reign. And everyone's having this great time. And then Britannicus takes a sip of his wine goblet, and he kind of falls to the ground, shaking and convulsing and foaming at the mouth. And yeah, and I love the way Tacitus tells this story, because Nero's emperor, right? And so we've got this banquet and the guests at the banquet, they're there, they're eating their, you know, stuffed pheasant or their dormice or whatever it is they're eating. And Britannicus has these fits, these seizures. And it looks like, oof, oh dear, he's stopped moving. Oh dear. The way Tacitus tells it, everyone makes their expression just blank because they don't know how to react. Like, or they don't know what's the safe way to react. Oh, because they don't know what Nero's going to do. They don't know how to, they haven't yeah. figured him out yet. He's just become emperor. Yeah. They don't have a good sense of what's the deal. Like, should we, are, uh, do, are we Are we happy about this? Are we sad about this? I, I don't know. Or just, let, let's just, don't react. Nobody say anything. Yeah. Let's see what he does. Wait, wait for our cue. And then Nero says, oh, yeah, Britannicus gets these seizures all the time. Oh, oh. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, okay, that must be it. He must be having one of these things. This is perfectly normal. Yes, let's go eat some more olives or whatever. What, what, yeah. Whatever. Not what he had, but something else. <laughs> okay, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, um, yeah, Britannicus dies. Because that's what happens, because yeah. he was probably poisoned to death by probably by Locusta, probably at the request of Julia Agrippina. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 and, and we're not saying these are good people. We're saying that they're oh, no. just, that they're badass. And that doesn't 
D- yeah, badass yeah. does not imply <laughs> role model and it does not imply goodness or like moral honesty. I'm sure there were some very, very moral, very like good Romans in these days who were giving alms to the poor and, you know, they fed mm-hmm. their dog and they went to work every day. But generally speaking, didn't poison people. Generally speaking, with their entire life without committing a single crime. And that's great. Yeah. And that's the kind of life we should all live. But that's yes. not as but... good of a story as. No, I just no. knocked. I I just whacked the emperor and his son. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All right. So now we've got Nero in charge, and Julia um. Agrippina has been the the sister, the wife, and the mother of emperors. And we're gonna get into the mother of emperors right now <laughs> after this break. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, A military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was we'll it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Uh, okay. Welcome back. Um, so, yeah, it seems like a pretty tense environment to live in, if you ask me. <laughs> yes, you know? I agree. Yeah? So Nero is the uncontested emperor. 
And this is great for the uncontested emperor's mom, i.e. Agrippina. So she's, so he's, I think like he's young at when this happens. Yeah. So she can rule for him as regent because Uh she's, she's an adult and he's not. And so she can kind of run the show for a while. It's even more power than when she was the wife or the sister. Mm -hmm. This is peak power for her. Yeah, this is peak Agrippina. Yeah. She is very sophisticated about this. She manages to put in place other people who can kind of keep a check on Nero. So there's this guy Burrus who can kind of keep an eye on Nero. There's Seneca, the philosopher, the Stoic philosopher. The the Seneca? The Seneca, yeah. He's Nero's tutor. But he's an agent of Agrippina. He is. And... Here's the thing about Agrippina. She wants her son to become emperor, but she also sees this particular son with very clear eyes. She knows that Nero is, eh, he's Nero. And, a little bit of a wild child. Yeah. <laughs> a little rambunctious. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's one way of putting it. And so she knows that if Nero gets too rambunctious, things might go badly for him and then he won't be emperor anymore because eh, maybe he'll be dead. And so for part of Nero's reign, um, his rambunctiousness is moderated by Seneca and Burrus, and this is Agrippina's doing. So this is Agrippina as the emperor's mother, as regent, and yeah, she even gets to sit in on senate meetings. Somehow she's talked Nero into letting her do that. She's not visible. She's behind a curtain because the whole idea of having a woman in a senate meeting is just craziness. Yeah, yeah. And here's something that I think we should mention is that like, you know, we keep talking about how much Agrippina wants to gain power and gain prestige and influence and how she's sitting in on Senate meetings and and -hmm. running the show in Rome. But like, one thing we should talk about is that this is like the golden age of Rome. And she is by all intents and purposes has been the empress of it for decade now right like mm-hmm. she's kind yeah. of you know rome is is doing really well they are a they are the superpower in the west right now um mm-hmm. they are expanding they are consolidating they're building there's a lot of really exciting um things happening in in the roman empire right now it is up and coming and she is responsible for making a lot of these decisions, or at least influential yeah. in these decisions being yeah. made. Yeah. She's not just yeah. like, I want a bigger palace. She had a big palace. She didn't need to be yeah. sitting in on Senate meetings for that. Um, mm-hmm. So no, she's sitting on Senate meetings because that's where things get done. Right, right. And I think it's something that doesn't get talked about that much with her is that she has done a very good job of, of you know, Clearly, Claudius would do anything she asked her to do. With Nero, she doesn't even ask. She just does it. Mm -hmm. And with Caligula, it was maybe a little harder, but she could have if she she, really tried, right? She found her ways, yeah. yeah. Right. And so, you know, I think that a lot of the amazing, like, works and uh, conquests and all of the the expansion of the Roman Empire in the first century is kind of one of the glory it's one of we still have to learn it in elementary school today right Uh and i think that you know maybe she should get a little bit of credit for some of the things that happened in the empire around this time yeah it becomes very powerful and it's a big big jump from augustus to to where we're at now yeah yeah now agrippina is not actually the emperor slash empress it's actually nero and you know he's growing up he's becoming an adult and maybe he's maybe he wants f- to be emperor for once and not have to like do what his mama said yeah 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 <laughs> so she actually does try to have him assassinated but this is nero and he allegedly mama, she allegedly tries okay, to allegedly 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 um now that sounds more like her though honestly <laughs> Now, Nero's mama didn't raise no fool. So Nero figured out that, okay, maybe something's going on. Maybe it's my mom trying to kill me. Whoa, that's counterintuitive, but also makes sense in the circumstances. And he was also pretty paranoid. So it's possible oh, yeah, that he yeah, made yeah. this entire thing up. But, but or, you know, as the, or, or well, said it because he just really didn't want his mom telling him what to do. I don't have to listen to you anymore, mom. 
and just tell everybody that she tried to assassinate me. <laughs> yeah. And if any of my students are listening, don't try this tactic. Not cool. Not cool. No, not no, cool. No, Dr. Larish's no, students. Yes. Blood on their hands. <laughs> yes. And uh, if you were Nero and you thought that maybe your mom was trying to take you out, you, you know the saying, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Okay. In Nero's head at any rate. <laughs> Agrippina is perceived as a threat. What do you think Nero's going to do? Uh, I think you got you to gotta take her out first, right? So this is player versus player. <laughs> Student versus master. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> so what does he do? He goes to look who's the poisoner? Because she's, she's, in, she's in Julia Agrippina's pocket, right? Well, so yeah. Um, so not only is Locusta, or at least as far as we know, probably still in Agrippina's pocket because Agrippina would not squander a relationship like that, but also Agrippina, probably with the help of Locusta, uh, had spent her entire life building up resistances to most of the common poisons on the market out there. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So Nero tries to poison her to death, mm -hmm. probably with more than one agent, but she's uh -huh. kind of... I don't know, Wesley and the Princess Bride, like, yeah. but I, I love to think that, like, perhaps Locusta had created a little vitamin regimen for, like, all right, take two mm -hmm. of these every morning. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll adjust the recipe as necessary, but, like, you know, yeah. give it, like, six months and you'll be pretty resistant. You're not going to feel great for the first six months, but after that, you're going to you're gonna be able to, like, take lethal doses of every poison I've used to kill your enemies. And Agrippina is no fool. She's probably done her homework or Locusta's done her homework. And yeah. Yeah. So he, she eats a bunch of poison and doesn't, doesn't, not only doesn't die, but doesn't even get sick. She's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Poison is off the table. It's like Rasputin. I think Rasputin yeah. ate like 13 poison cupcakes and drank a bottle of poison wine and he still didn't uh, die. <laughs> he didn't even get yeah. sick. <laughs> yeah. So if poison is off the table and you were Nero, what would you try next? <laughs> I know the answer to this, but I want you to okay. tell the story because I love okay. I love this. Okay. This is one of my favorite Agrippina things is that like, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the murdering and killing and running Rome is great. But like she mm -hmm. is just famously impossible to kill. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But he goes the Wiley Coyote route. Yes, <laughs> That's he, what does. he decides he does. to do with it. Yes. Now, he can't actually drop a literal grand piano on her because that hasn't been invented yet. But <laughs> he tries to crush her to death by causing the roof of a building to collapse on top of her. <laughs> and she survives. She yeah, crawls. This thing works. The yes. ceiling falls on her head and she crawls out of the rubble and lives. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Agrippina, who is very much alive, she's out on the lake. Uh, she wants to go out on a lake. She has her usual boat. It's like a pleasure yacht or whatever. And for whatever reason, hmm, by coincidence, that boat is not available. It's like in for repairs or something like that. And she has to take out another boat because obviously you have more than one yacht. When she goes out on this boat onto the lake, oh no, oh no, it sinks, it collapses, oh no. But you're Agrippina, the boat's going down. Ah, she escapes, she jumps overboard, she swims to the shore. And there's there's some speculation that this was a boat that was like totally rigged to do this or some kind of oh, contraption yeah. to like sink the oh, ship yeah. while she was on it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're gonna have to do better yeah. than that. Drown me in a placid lake. <laughs> yeah. So he tried to poison her. He dropped the building on her head. He tried to drown her. Mm -hmm. Um. So what's next? So what's next? Well, okay. So, um, TLDR. Eventually, he just has her stabbed to death by assassins with, you know, daggers and swords and whatever. Supposedly, the story is that when these assassins come with their swords and their daggers, she points to her torso, to where her womb is, and says, okay, stab me here. Stab me in the part of my body that produced Emperor Nero. <laughs> That's baller. <laughs> it's baller. Been, it's, that is yeah. a really, yeah. that is a, that is a stone cold last words. <laughs> stone cold. Yep. Yeah. Cause that's like not a, that's a painful death too. And she would know oh, it, right? Yeah. Like that is not, yeah. the gut wound is like the worst one, right? <laughs> like, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. If you remember what the astrologer foretold, that, oh, yes. Her son will kill her. Yeah, yeah. But he will be emperor. Uh-huh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm cool with that. Like, it's okay if he kills me as long as he becomes emperor, because I guess that was her goal. So, yeah. And he did. It's like the Sith, right? Like, the, the student has to kill yeah. the master, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you got me. All right. The yeah, collapsing building yeah. thing didn't work out. You just got to, yeah. you got to send them, you got to send the army. And like, mm-hmm. but uh, the thing with that is it's hard to make that look like an accident. So her being stabbed to death by the army was <sighs> actually, it was pretty clear what happened here. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot yeah. of people who yeah. maybe thought Nero was kind of a fun dude to have at a party kind of turned on him and were like, maybe this guy's actually a psycho. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And supposedly he did express guilt over having killed his mother and like, okay. But that's also coexisting with the fact that he did actually kill his mother. So Yeah, he still did it. Yeah, he still did it, yeah. And uh, yes, that's Agrippina. And uh, so she's no longer on the scene and uh, she was complicated to say the very least. And very strong-willed. I mean, she, yes, yes yeah, yeah. I love, I love Agrippina. I think that story yeah. is so great because when you talk about her, the story of early Rome, Roman mm-hmm. Empire, can be told through her. You've got her being the sister of Caligula, the wife mm-hmm. of Claudius, the mother of Nero, and then after, yeah. after she's kind of no longer a stabilizing force for him, or, or at least running the show mm-hmm. on his behalf, um, and everybody kind of turns on him a little bit or like oh you killed his own mom like this is pretty messed mm-hmm. up even for him and you know <laughs> yeah. kind of that's when yeah. we kind of get the the stories of him playing the playing the fiddle while Rome burns or whatever <laughs> yeah well it's a liar fiddles weren't invented yet but yeah playing a liar like, right. that's the story yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> anyway anyway so yeah so Agrippina's no longer with us but but Locusta is still with us and she's yeah. now out a boss so hmm Nero goes to Locusta, the poisoner, and he says, like, hey, you, you want to work here? And she says, yes, of course I want to work here. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, girls got to pay rent. Yes, yes, I still have, I have a lifestyle to maintain here. And so <laughs> for the next 14 years, which is a long time. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. For the next 14 years, Locusta is... The personal poisoner for the Emperor Nero, who is kind of famously remembered as one of Rome's most ruthless emperors. Um, Mm -hmm. She even she gets to have her experiments. He makes sure that she has everything she needs to do her thing. She lives in this really huge villa. She actually like uh, opens a school for like a, you know, alchemy school or a botany school or whatever. But it's Uh she trains other women to do what she's doing. So. Uh She is training other women on how to, you know, make people bleed out of their eyes and nose at the same time. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> or not bleed out of your nose and eyes and just maybe. sort of, you know, quietly stop breathing. Yeah, or maybe there's some medicine involved here. Maybe she did some yeah. good things too. We don't yeah. remember any of that stuff about her. Yeah, but that's yeah. Not how the she's sources remembered. tell the stories that they choose to tell. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. We know that she yeah. was a, a chemist and a biologist and a, a, a botanist, and she cultivated and grew various plants and made all of these interesting poultices and potions and, you know, um, and trained other women how to do this. Uh, and she was kind of remembered as Nero's Nero's assassin. We don't have mm-hmm. a number or and can't hazard a guess on how many people she might have been responsible for their deaths. Uh, and I always kind of find the the counting aspect of this grim. Uh, it just is in general grim, for, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she was the poisoner for Nero for 14 years, which is the rest mm-hmm. of his reign. Um, it all kind of came to an end in, in 69 CE uh, when everybody had just kind of finally had enough of Nero. Um, they were done with him. He gets deposed by the Senate. Uh, mm-hmm. He's briefly put under Demnatio Memoriae. And um, Moria, and he is sentenced to death by being beaten with iron rods until he stops moving, which sounds just awful. Um, It sounds awful. It sounds very undignified for a member of the Roman elite class to die. Yeah, the Julio Claudia, the emperor, we're going to beat him up with iron rods until he dies and then throws, probably throw him down the steps of the Senate or whatever. Um, Well, 
Nero doesn't like the idea of that either. Uh, and he always kind of like a like a James Bond villain or something. He always mm -hmm. carried a special uh, suicide poison pill that Locusta had given him. Uh, wow. And he was just basically like, OK, if the jig's up, like eat this real quick so you uh -huh. don't get you know humiliated or or imprisoned or captured or anything else. Uh, yeah. Um, but on the day the assassins came to get him with the iron rods, uh, he didn't have it on him for whatever reason. Ooh, he had yeah. forgot to stick it in his toga before he left that morning. Yeah. Um, so, but he did have a knife. So he, he stabs himself to death with a knife to avoid being beaten up with rods. Um, <laughs> anyway, Nero dies. And um, Locusta now is kind of unemployed and Nero when Nero dies we get into that year of four emperors mm -hmm. uh that ends up with Vespasian but the first of those four emperors to get is there yeah yeah in order to get there we got to get through uh, three other guys and the first one <laughs> is Emperor Galba who was a soldier uh who was uh had kind of taken over after Nero died um or was or killed himself or was in, incited to kill himself um mm -hmm. so Galba takes over and Galba, everybody was sick of Nero. Galba, he's sick of Locusta. Um, and he's kind of kind of tired of these two decades of people being poisoned and dying. And maybe she's stopped being quite so subtle about it. And anyway, one of Galba's first acts as emperor and only acts as emperor, because I think he's only emperor for like three months. But um, yeah. he has her dragged through the streets in chains and publicly executed. And Oof. that's Locusta's yeah. end. She should have mm -hmm. saved one of those poison pills for herself, I guess. But um, yeah, well, <sighs> but, you know, those are two very infamous women of 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 Rome who who had their had their reigns of terror that had a little bit of overlap on the Venn diagram. Um, they both kind of died horribly, but they also both were able to kind of find a degree of power and autonomy in a society that really didn't have, wasn't really structured to allow them to have that, which is yeah, yeah. pretty cool, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think that they're both really, really interesting women. I mean, they're both pretty, also pretty diabolical and evil, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but also... But, but diabolical and evil in context. <laughs> like, you kind of you wonder, you kind of understand why... We don't endorse their choices, but we might understand what led them to make these choices. Yeah. And, you know. And pursue them. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And and like we talked about, like the stories, this isn't like nice guy of the week. This is badass no, of the week. No. And these, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. these yeah. women, they, they, they crushed everybody in their path. They destroyed anything standing against them. They took out emperors. They took out senators. They took out mm -hmm. every, they took out generals. They took out any they powerful out person. Right. Probably. Yes, yes for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> they took out any anything that was in their way in yeah. the most violent manner possible. Like her own kid, she was like, "Whatever, this guy's this guy's a problem. He's got to go." <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. pretty badass. And then you know they both kind of had these pretty serious ends, which is also kind of badass as well, mm -hmm. right? Being yep. meriting being dragged through the streets of Rome in chains and publicly executed is. You had to have like yeah. been pretty scary. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's a certain type of notoriety. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Infamy, yeah. but but still still badass. Yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Pat, yeah. that's a good primer for your 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 students for Latin too. It sounds like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I should say, don't poison people. Don't poison people. Yeah. Get a food taster. Make mm -hmm. your own food locally mm -hmm. source all of your stuff grow it all in your backyard yeah. that way you'll know it's not poisoned by anybody outside of your house okay yeah yeah that narrows it down yeah yeah so if you are enjoying the podcast please do um subscribe please share it with your friends like it leave a comment it really really helps us out thank you guys so much we'll see you next time and um stay badass Badass of the Week is an iHeartRadio podcast produced by High Five Content. Executive producers are Andrew Jacobs, me, Pat Larish, and my co-host, Ben Thompson. Writing is by me and Ben. Story editing is by Ian Jacobs, Brandon Fibbs. Mixing and music and sound design is by Jude Brewer. Special thanks to Noel Brown at iHeart. Badass of the Week is based on the website badassoftheweek.com, where you can read all sorts of stories about other badasses. 
If you want to reach out with questions, ideas, you can email us at badasspodcast at badassoftheweek.com. If you like the podcast, subscribe, follow, listen, and tell your friends and your enemies if you want, as we'll be back next week with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good but be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.